a new study published in Lancet, which as a, you know, a journal is no slouch, concludes that safe consumption sites do actually curtail overdose deaths. This is definitely one of those situations where we need to know more, so I've been looking forward to this conversation all morning. Dr. Daniel Werb is director of the Center on Drug Policy Evaluation, co-author of this study, which, as mentioned, was pub published in Lancet. Good morning, doctor. It's good to have you. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Can you walk a non-science person through mm. how you gathered the data and drew this conclusion? Because I'm, I'm still a little bit confused. I mean, clearly fewer people died, but at the same time, sort of the geographic aspect of this study confuses me. Sure, yeah. So that's been one of the biggest gaps in this literature is understanding, you know, everybody recognizes that supervised consumption sites can save people's lives when they enter inside them. Right. So once somebody goes inside a site and uses drugs, there are people there to respond medically if there is an overdose uh, to prevent them from dying. And they're super effective at that. What we didn't know, what we weren't sure about, especially during the kind of fentanyl era, is whether these sites had any kind of impact on overdose prevention across neighborhoods. So our group uh, worked with the coroner's office and we analyzed the the uh, distribution of core of um, overdose deaths across the city of Toronto. So basically, you know, we mapped hundreds and hundreds of overdose deaths across the city of Toronto and then looked at what happened uh, in a period before the sites were implemented and then a period in uh, after they were implemented. And so what we found was that after these sites were implemented, the neighborhoods around them saw significant reductions in overdose deaths. So, you know, to about, a, you know, within 250 meters, within 500 meters, within a kilometer, even within two and a half kilometers, there was a, about a two-thirds reduction in overdose mortality across those neighborhoods. And I just want to be clear, yeah. we're not saying that these sites cause these overdose, uh, these reductions in overdose mortality. We can't say that based on the type of uh, analysis that we're doing. But what we can say is that something dramatically changed after these sites were implemented. And, you know, the period that we were looking at is also the period when fentanyl started moving into the city. So you would expect, in fact, the opposite to happen, that we would see this massive increase and the number of overdose deaths in these neighborhoods surrounding these, uh, these sites. But in fact, we saw the opposite. Are there variations in the data? And by that, I mean, there are safe injection sites that are located in neighborhoods where a lot more drug addicts and users live. And then there are some that are opened up in other areas that uh, people you know, are not close to where somebody's consuming illegal drugs. Well, most of the sites were opened, you know, the, the locations were specifically chosen because there was substance use happening there and they were overdose hotspots. So, um, you know, that's why we see the majority of the sites in the city of Toronto be located where they are. So, for example, South Riverdale, you know, the site was located in a place where there has long time been drug market activity, um, overdose mortality. And, um, you know, so it made sense to have a site located in that um in that area because you want the biggest bang for your buck buck right like if you're if you're going to put in a service for people you want to go to where the people are
And when it comes to pre-safe injection sites, or safe consumption sites, I should say, because not all is injected, um, the people who died, would they have you know, died in, and I don't want to be glib, but you know, in alleyways, in homes? I mean, where were these people dying? Yeah, I mean, it's a tragedy. People were dying, and people continue to die everywhere, um, on the street, um, in shelters, in private homes. Um, and, y you know, what's what's really troubling, and I think just to scope out the lens here for a second, there have been more people that have died of an overdose since fentanyl arrived in Ontario in about 2016 than have died of COVID-19. And the people who die of overdose are generally about half the age of the people that die of COVID-19. So when we're looking at this tragedy, this overdose crisis, by some metrics, you know, if you look at just the number of years of life lost, it's twice as bad as COVID. And so, you know, this is why these kinds of studies, I think, are pretty important and why understanding the impacts of our overdose prevention efforts like supervised consumption sites is so important as well. And I've had a lot of pundits this morning going through the STARS coverage of your study, and then some people dug into, I guess, what would have been an online version of the full article. Um, they want you to take a position on the, the mayhem and disorder that consumption sites uh, create, but I imagine that's outside of the scope of your study. What's well, outside of the scope of this study? I can tell you, um, you know, that we've looked at data specifically around homicides, fatal shootings, fatal stabbings, you know, things that could be reasonably um, linked to drug market activity. And again, looking at data from the coroner's office, and, and this is work that's going to be forthcoming from our group. And I'll just point out that we looked at this because it was a fatal shooting near South Riverdale that launched this whole provincial review of supervised consumption sites, there is no significant relationship between where homicides occur in the city of Toronto and where the location of supervised consumption sites are. So I'll say that. What I will also say, though, is that, you know, I think everybody essentially wants the same thing. I don't think that the residents of South Riverdale who are concerned about, um, you know, crime in their area want people to die of an overdose. You know, I, I believe that everybody is a, is essentially compassionate. Um, and I'll also say that I think that what studies like the one that we just published in Lancet Public Health show is that there's a real need for these kinds of services to be ongoing and sustainable. Now, the only way that they can be sustainable is if the community supports them. And so, you know, even for people who are very, very, you know, who are who are you know, whose priority it is to focus on the overdose prevention or on overdose prevention, you know, like that's my job, that's my work. Um, it's incredibly important to uh, address community concerns, to hear um, people in the community and what they would like to see, because these sites have to be sustainable and they have to be sustained if we have any hope of saving people's lives. So I I, I, you know, I'm I'm interested in the views of um, community of, of communities in, in South Riverdale and particularly those that are opponents or, or are frustrated with the site there. And I think that there's really important work that needs to be done to address those concerns, because, again, that's the only way that we can 
ensure that these sites stay located uh, sites sites stay running if everybody hates the site it's going to close and then more people will die so let's address the needs of community um and, and um and people's concerns around crime thank you for this appreciate the conversation Happy to be here. Thanks, Ben. Dr. Daniel Werb is director of the Center on Drug Policy Evaluation.